Welcome to the Athens First United Methodist Church Sermons Podcast. I'm Kayla Thomason, a member of the communications team. We hope you enjoy this weekly resource. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 19, verses 25 through 27. Hear the word of God on this blessed day. And that is what the soldiers did. Meanwhile, standing near the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. This is the word of God given to the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning. I have good news and I have bad news. The bad news is that I fell at my home on Thursday night and I hurt my shoulder and uh, hurt my back and did not expect to be here on Sunday morning. So I called Betsy and I called Martha on Friday morning to let them know in all likelihood I was not going to be here. And so they put it into overdrive and prepared to do what was necessary to lead worship and to preach the sermon this morning. Saturday, I began to feel better, and I phoned them again and said, I think I'm going to be able to make it. That's the bad news. (laughs) Here's the good news. I have about 15 minutes of standing power, so you're going to get out of here early today. (laughs) I remember the first time I walked into this sanctuary, It was in the early evening, the sun had gone down, and the first thing that caught my eye were the stained glass windows. They look much different at night. Uh, The sun does not shine through bringing all the color, and they, they look sort of just gold in the night with dark places in them. When I walked through the first time, it was difficult to see the detail of the stained glass windows, although they were absolutely beautiful. Some weeks later, I walked through here for the second time in the broad daylight, and again, they caught my eye, and they look like they do today, with all of those brilliant colors coming through. And when you can see the windows, you can see the story being told in the windows. And it was on that second trip through the sanctuary that I began to see the story of the stained glass windows at Athens First United Methodist Church. To your left, the top panel, Uh, There is a hand coming down, the hand of God the Father coming down uh, to His people. In the middle panel at the very top, you see a very familiar character. Uh, That is Jesus, and the cross is in the background. And then as you move to the far right, again, the top panel, uh, you see the dove, the bird coming down, representing the Holy Spirit. So the story begins with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We believe in one God, but we believe that God has been revealed in three persons, as the old hymn says. The church struggled with that because the church uh, knew they were not polytheists. They did not believe in three gods. 
they believed in one God, but they had to find a way to communicate that to the world effectively. We are monotheist. We believe in one God. But how is it that we understand that, or how is it that we can express that that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? In 325, the leaders of the church gathered to try to find a way to say that well. And the word that they came up with to to explain the Trinity in some form or fashion, three in one and one in three, they came across a Greek word that means uh, homoousios is the word, and it means of the same essence. That Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are not completely distinct. They do not represent three gods. They represent one God, and they are all of the same essence. Some of these things are difficult to explain. I'm not sure that we're as interested in 2022 as they were in 325, but they found it uh, very critical to be able to present the faith in a way that people would understand correctly. And so we have had the Trinitarian understanding of God ever since, but Christians are monotheists. We believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we get to the middle panel and we see Christ in the window. How do we understand that? They grapple with the idea that He was divine and that He was human. He was both God and He was man. Now in the early church, uh, most of the believers tended to lean toward the idea that He was divine but not that He was human. But you can't take the human out of that because He came into this world incarnation and He lived our life. He felt our pain. He understands our circumstances. We can relate to Him because He came and related to us. So the church decided He is fully God and He is fully man. And we hold that together somehow in our heads and in our hearts. It's not an easy thing to do. And it probably is easier just to say, well, He's God like Father and Holy Spirit and just let's get on with it. But the reality is He was born in the flesh. Now in the early church, the flesh was the carnal nature of humanity, which means did He sin or was He without sin? Because you see, one who is without sin is the only one who can make the sacrifice for those who have sinned. And so they held this tension together that yes, He was born of Mary, He lived in this world, He grew up in Nazareth, He felt our pain, He banged His finger with a hammer from time to time as a carpenter's son, real flesh and real blood, who feels what we feel, who understands what we experience, who went through so much of what we go through. So the church has made an effort to try to understand the faith and to communicate that faith to the world. On Good Friday, we read the passage of Scripture that was read this morning. Good Friday recalls the crucifixion of Christ. And I was reading that particular passage, and for some particular reason on that particular day, what came to my mind in an almost overwhelming way was the humanity of that moment. Jesus is both fully God and fully man. But on Good Friday when I was reading that passage, what was so obvious to me and what was so overwhelming to me was that you had a son 
and you had a mother in a real human relationship. As he, as he died, as he carried the weight of the sins of humanity, he was mindful of his mother. I find that remarkably wonderful. And in the midst of so much weight and so much pain, he looked at his mother, the one who had given him birth, and he said, Hey, Mom, John will now be your son. You see, he knew she would be in a vulnerable position. Her husband had already died. She was a widow, and now she'd lost her oldest son. And he was mindful of her circumstance in the midst of the weight that he carried that day. And so in the middle of all that, the worst day of his life, he looked at his mom and he said, Mom, he'll take care of you. And he looked at John and he said, this is your mom from this day forward. Take care of her. And as I read that passage on that Good Friday, the reality of the humanity of the relationship was overwhelming. He was being executed. And his mom was with him in that execution. What greater love can there be in your hour of greatest need? Your mom is here. And in that moment, when he looked at his mom, his love for her was so obvious because she was a greater priority for him than he was for himself. And so as I was reading that passage, I stopped for an awkwardly long time because it was tough to take all that in and just continue reading. That was a deeply, deeply, deeply human relationship between a mom and a son. She gave birth to him. She went through labor for him. She changed his diapers and fed him every single day and raised him. We, we cannot put Jesus in such an esteemed position that we fail to understand and recognize He was a real man. And He did real things. And He had a mama. And all of that comes together in this moment in John. I know where I have been for the last 40 years of Mother's Days in a Methodist pulpit somewhere not preaching a Mother's Day sermon. I've never preached one because I knew I just couldn't make it. I just couldn't make that work. 
I am not prone to emotions and to tears. <laughs> but I knew if I went down that path, that would be an exceedingly difficult one to travel. So I've thanked moms and I've recognized moms, but I've never really preached a Mother's Day sermon, and I'm not today, but I'll get as close as I'll, I'll ever get. This is my last Mother's Day as a Methodist minister serving a local church. My mom's name was Betty Hodges. She had three children. Mike, the oldest, Mary Lynn, the middle, and Chuck, who came along four years later. My father used to say, I wanted a little boy and I wanted a little girl. Didn't much care what you were. <laughs> it's kind of a harsh thing to say to your youngest son, is it? And my mom, whenever he would say that, would always look at me and say, you're my baby. You'll always uh, be my baby. And there was a time in my life when I wished she'd stop <laughs> saying that. And then there came a time in my life when I kind of liked it. My mom had these three kids. When I was preparing an Easter sermon a few years ago, I came across this statement that on average, most people are in a bad mood 110 days out of the year. Doesn't mean you're in a bad mood the whole day. It just means somewhere, somehow in a day, in about 100 days, you're in a bad mood. And I thought about that when I read it for the first time. My mom had three children. That meant somebody was in a bad mood every stinking day. <laughs> and that's about the way it is or that's about the way it was in our house. Somebody was always in a bad mood. And mom was always trying to tend to it. Mom was always trying to patch it up. Mine, my mom was always trying to bring the group uh, back together again. My mom had a growth spurt in her 40s. She didn't get taller. She got deeper. And that coincided when the most intense experience of my life was taking place. You see, I never really imagined myself doing this, but I could easily imagine myself coaching, coaching kids, being with young people, and trying to provide them with some guidance and direction. I love competition trying to continue to participate in competition when my days as a player were over. I could see that. I could understand that. I thought I would be good at that. And the grappling struggle of my life was that somewhere in the hidden recesses of my mind and my heart was this thing that I could not escape, this sense that God was calling me into ministry, which seemed to be such an unnatural thing. That coincided with my mom's growth spurt in her 40s, and it was the summer between my sophomore and junior year in college. I came home that summer to work for my dad. 
And there were so many nights in that summer when my mind would be racing and I would be lying in bed and I would feel like I was the only one up in the world, that everybody in the world was sleeping peacefully except for me. You ever felt that way? You felt so lonely in the dark and you wondered how you could get your mind from racing and moving to thoughts that you didn't want to think so that you could rest and relax and sleep. Finally, when it would reach its worst point, I would get out of my bed and I would walk into our small den and sit down in one of the two recliners in that den. And I would just sit there and look out the window in the darkness. And I would try to relax and I would try to get my mind off these things that were churning up in my heart and in my spirit. I could hear my dad snoring in the background. And then I would hear my mom's. I would hear my mom's feet hit the floor. And I would hear those steps. And I knew she was coming. Most times, she would sit next to me in that other chair and nobody would really say anything. Sometimes I'd say something about my struggle. She might respond, but she usually said very little. She just sat there until I finally got up and felt like I could go back to bed. Moms do hard things. Moms live with you and support you and love you at your best and at your worst. And in the darkest nights of my life, my mom would come walking into that den and she would be light in my darkness. And I will always love her for that. And Jackie... Broersma has run 143 marathons in 143 days. With one leg. Her left leg was amputated several years ago because of cancer. So she runs with a blade, a prosthesis, and a shoe on her good leg and good foot. 104 marathons in 104 days to raise money for prosthetics, for amputees who've had cancer. Her mantra, her rallying cry is this, I can do hard things. That's it. I can do hard 
things. Moms do hard things. I was in a seminar a number of years ago. It was pretty unpromising. And I was sitting in the audience, not listening very well, but my ears perked up when Erwin McManus said this. He said, the real battle in our life is not between good and evil. The real battle in our life is between less and more. Most of us don't live the worst life we could live. We just don't live the best life that we could live. Evil to me rarely comes dressed up in red with a pitchfork and a long tail smelling of sulfur. It would be very easy for me to say no thank you to that. Evil is much more deceptive than that. The battle that wages in my heart is not so distinct between good and bad. The battle in my heart is as described by McManus as something less or more. I have no desire to live the worst possible life, but sometimes I don't really have the desire to live the best possible life. And so I settle for something less. I'm not always willing to do hard things. But whenever I think about my mom, when it came to me, and when it came to my brother and my sister, she was always willing to do hard things. She tried to teach us. She tried to love us into being better and doing better. <laughs> she invited us and encouraged us to do hard things. She would say, treat other people the way you would like to be treated. That's a hard thing. Because sometimes we want to treat people the way they treat us. And my mom would say, uh, if you do that, you'll go through life keeping score. And that's just no way to live. Pay attention, Chuck. Pay attention. You know when she said that? When I was about 8 through 13 and I couldn't pay attention in school because I was talking all the time. So she was telling me to pay attention. But she did not stop telling me to pay attention even when I went into high school and college and beyond. And so paying attention came to be more than hush while the teacher's trying to teach. It came to mean that, Chuck, if you're paying attention to the hour that just passed, you're living in that hour and you're behind right now. And if you're paying attention to what you think is going to happen in the next hour, you're living ahead of the moment. Be present in the moment you're in. Pay attention. Pay attention. You can find the bad 
and you don't have to look far for it. But you'll be much happier. And your life will be much better if you look for what is good. And when you find it, when you identify it, when you know what it is, water it. Put a little sunshine on it. Encourage it. And watch it grow. Those things don't sound like much, do they? But those are hard things. Those are hard things. Treat others the way you would like to be treated. Lord knows, son, you're competitive. Our whole family is competitive. But you can't keep score as you make your way through life. You'll find out that you'll be miserable in the end. Comparison only brings envy and jealousy. You be who you are to the very best of your ability. Moms do hard things. And people of the cross, you and me, we're called, we're encouraged to do hard things. To look for the good. To treat people the way we would like to be treated. To pay attention to the moment that we are in. You moms and your moms, you moms and then your moms, Thank you. Thank you. And happy Mother's Day to you. And God bless you for your willingness to do hard things. To show us the way that leads to something more, something better, something good. God bless you. Amen. Thanks for listening. To listen to more sermons, read past devotions, or look up opportunities on how to connect, visit us at AthensFirstUMC.org. Stay in touch with us throughout the week by following us on Instagram or Facebook at AthensFirstUMC.